You're listening to The Cynic Weekly. If you enjoy our weekly podcast, you might be interested in finding out how to access even more Cynic content. By signing up for a full Cynic subscription at thecynic.co, you'll have access to Celtic-related podcasts throughout the week. For a monthly fee, you get access to a range of podcasts covering your favourite football club. We cover a range of topics from news and current events to the history of the club, analysis of games, player profiles, coverage of the women's team, quizzes and much more. We have our own app or you can download your private RSS link to podcast players. You can also access content via our website so you can listen in the way that works for you. To find out more, visit thecynic.co or email info at thecynic.co. We pride ourselves in being an independent platform. You won't be bothered by any outside advertising or folk trying to sell you stuff and you can cancel your subscription at any time. Thank you so much for listening to and supporting The Cynic. Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly, the first Cynic Weekly of 2023. I'm your host, Christopher Gallagher, and we're joined by the Cynic Weekly panel of Christopher Sarmani. Hello, Christopher. How are you, friend? Terrific. Weather outside, absolutely shocking. It's been a bit of a pish run recently, hasn't it, actually? Grim. Um, Other than that... Not bad. Lovely stuff. Good to see you. You look terrific. You're getting the new Celtic sweatshirt on. And uh, do you know what the difference between a sweatshirt, sweatshirt and a jumper is? Don't, don't know. <laughs> no, neither do I. All oh, right, I thought you were going to regale us with facts. There. No, I don't know. Um, mm. Alan, Alan's thinking. I think a sweatshirt you would wear sitting about or just maybe going to a podcast recording perhaps, whereas a jumper I think you would wear if you were maybe going to a family function. Well, yeah, I, I mean... Going to a family function. <laughs> I, I, got, I got the jumper for Christmas and the only place I would ever wear it would be to this podcast and in the house. Mm-hmm. It's a, joking aside, it's it's absolutely, it's a belter, it's very plain, but in a very good way, so uh, good stuff <laughs> available in the Celtic really shop selling now. Really selling that. No, I, I like that, I like just black, the Adidas in green and the badge. What do you think of the uh, shield around the badge? Because some people absolutely hate it. I don't mind it. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's a nice jumper. It's a jumper for kicking about the house, Chris. The other voice you're hearing on the other end of uh, that microphone is uh, Alan Edgar. Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, weather is awful, as Manny says, but sunshine in here. Good stuff. I'm hoping for a better slogan now, but it just yeah. was, it was not Sunshining in here. Sunshine uh, indoors. I should say Alan's wearing a, a jumper that he, or sweatshirt that he wears uh, every time he wears it. I give him a compliment on it because I think it's terrific. Uh, looking great, Alan. It's non-Celtic, I should point out. You should point out it's non-Celtic. Sorry. You normally wear the... I've seen you in the joggies a couple of times. Oh, I I like the joggies. Big fan. Thanks for not talking when I was taking a cup of coffee. Uh, sipping my <laughs> coffee. Uh, but yeah, um, it's good to be back. 2023. Um, get plenty of stuff lined up uh, on today's show and uh, all the other shows going forward. Uh, how are you, Alan? How's things? Um, the Derby, obviously, we've not had the chance to talk about the Derby on the weekly. We've had the Kamarnock game. We might touch on that. How are you feeling about Celtic just now? Very good. Very good. Um successful festive period after the World Cup. I think there was always going to be questions about how we come back from that. Rangers with a, a new manager bounce. Um, but we are in the same position that we were six weeks ago. But with, what, four games down? 
Um, yes. And it's starting to feel a wee bit like that after the Rangers game now that you're starting to look at how many games played, how many remaining. Um, with two cup competitions to come as well. So I'm glad it's a wee change this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. Feeling very positive. It's been it's been great and hopefully twenty twenty three is another year laden with well, celebrations. Three of them, please. Three of them, please. A treble is it not? <laughs> a treble, aye. Uh, uh Sarmani yourself, how are you feeling? You positive about Celtic moving forward? Yeah, I don't think I don't think you can be anything other than positive. Nine points clear. Um Adding to the squad, we've got players in, linked with others. Uh, aye, no, it's all good, it's all good. Uh, great stuff, do you know what, we've got an opening question, but we got another question from John Dunlop, uh, who emailed in uh, editor at thecynic.co, if you want to email any questions at any point. Uh, he says, uh, good evening panel. Good evening, John. Good evening, John. Hi, John. That's uh, my, good evening, John. Oh, evening, John. Another trip to our national stadium awaits. Given the fact that Ange's two predecessors both won trebles, how much of a priority do you think it will be for him to win one during his time here? So it's not necessarily even about uh, this season. It could be potentially, uh, hopefully, next season as well. Um, do you think it'll be on his mind? Uh, you know, Dyla did the double. Uh, Martin O'Neill did the treble. Obviously, Rogers did the treble. And, and Lennon did the treble as well. But... What's your kind of thoughts on that? Kind think, of. Uh, kind of. Do you think it'll be in the back of Ange's mind that something that his predecessors have done, do you think he'd like to do it? I mean, he'd obviously like to do it, but do you think it'll be in the back of his mind? I don't I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll be thinking legacy. It's crucial because one of the, one, one of maybe the results of his winning, the treble, the quadruple treble, I think is that actually it's become a little bit more common. Um, it's not maybe, and that's not to be unfair to the managers that won it recently, but it's maybe not as quite as an elite club when it was Jock Steen, Martin O'Neill. Yeah. And then, you know, we've we've done it quite a few times since. And I think, well, from a fan perspective, I think we've got a set sight on having maybe some different goals and targets under Ange. He will absolutely want to win a treble. The players will want to win it because their time here is finite. But... I don't think it's something that will be weighing heavily on him. I don't think he'll be looking at this game thinking there's enormous pressure other than the normal pressure. Um, and I think that actually they might measure themselves against Europe, to be honest. You know, there's no point in being coy about it. I think that's where we would all like to see improvement. And I think if you want to be a trailblazer as a Celtic manager, I think dragging the club into the kind of 21st century in European terms, um, because it's been a long time since we had any real success there, I think would be a better way to kind of, you know, put your name down in, in history for Celtic. So I, he'll want to, we want him to do it. It'll be great this year, but I don't think it's something that will particularly be weighing heavily in his mind. Um, it's, as a personal goal, I'm sure there's others. So Manny, do you think that kind of with all the success we've had over kind of the last, you know, 10 years with all with all the trebles we've done, mm. do you think it's kind of skewed the reality of how hard it is to win a treble? I, I think that's definitely the case. I mean, obviously nobody had done a double treble. Until we done it, and then to do four in a row, you know, it is an anomaly. It, almost, it's, it's an anomaly to an extent. Yes, um, and uh, for me, it's great winning a treble. Great, but it got to a point where it was almost like that's just what we do, and it kind of. I mean, it's you see, Dyla Dyla came close. Lennon came close in his first spell as well. Um, but it, 
you know, small things can kind of change it. And, and, mm-hmm. and I do think it really skews just how easy it was, the fact, how, how difficult it is, sorry. I mean, even, you know, the last one, you know, obviously the, the COVID season interrupted it and the Scottish Cup final was played at different times and all that sort of stuff. So there was circumstance in, in, in involved even in, in, with regards to that. For me, though, and I've, I've, I think as much as it's nice, for me, the league's your bread and butter. And for me, I think the club's really focus has got to be becoming more of a force in Europe because it's just another level. I mean, I think a lot of the support, myself included, maybe had our fill of this kind of domestic nonsense when we blew uh, the league, um, going for 10 in a row. And I think that just kind of sharpened it to say, look, do you know what I mean? As, as much as bragging rights domestically is what we want, there's got to be a focus on something different. So getting a treble for me should not be the mark of a successful Celtic manager or the mark of you know what is required before you can be in the upper echelons. If we can become, you know, we need to win the league. That's just the way we are as a club. But then if we can make our stamp and become a much better football inside uh, further on in Europe, I think that's much more important for the tra- trajectory of the club. Yeah, I think everyone would probably sacrifice the League Cup for an extended run in Europe next season. You know, like something that substantially kind of sets us apart from, from previous seasons. But, you know, but we'll see it. You're right. You're, you're exactly right. But as a support, see if we get beaten Saturday, it'll be a disaster. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? We'll react to it and go, it, it, you know, it, I remember Kamalik beat us in, in, in the League Cup final and it was nothing short of a disaster. And if we lose on Saturday, it will be. So it's, it's dead easy to talk about it when you've got the... Opportunity in front of you. Yeah, the, the extended run in Europe in your hand. Or will, will we give up the League Cup for that? Of course you would. But, you know, <laughs> in real time, um, it's difficult for us to kind of uh, concede anything. But if, you know, if all things being well, you definitely would do it. I mean, in real time... I I'm, go back to the double treble celebrations and I remember at that time just thinking this will never be topped this is just the pinnacle we've won two back-to-back trebles we had made some progress in Europe and that we'd been competitive in matches against Man City and you thought you know this team they're going to go places that we thought we'd never see again so I think with that kind of knowledge it does give you that little bit of context and I think the domestic cups particularly the league cup can mean very different things to different teams at different stages and I think you know I think you talked about it recently you go back to say 97 and how important that league cup win was then mm. to now it's it's different and that this team have shown that they can win it I don't think this team wouldn't be you know I don't want to be they wouldn't be proving anything by getting to the final. Beating Rangers in the final would prove something in the kind of short term. But it's a team that have shown they can do it domestically. So I think we are, because we are greedy, we want all these things. We want that day. We want that experience in June when the Scottish Cup final to be potentially going for a treble. But I think if you speak to probably most fans, they would say, yeah, we want that. But it is really important for us to see the club grow and develop back onto a bigger stage and I think that's what Europe is now they're not mutually exclusive you can probably have both but it's a big ask to do it all domestically be the best and still develop and kind of try and do the things you are in Europe I mean I'm starting to think about it a bit more now I mean if we win on Saturday you know the odds on favourite 
um, for the, the game the next day will be them. So it's then going to be a final against Rangers, which then takes on an entirely different, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, focus because it's not. It wouldn't be a hurdle dropped on the way for a treble. It would be losing a final to them. So, aye, you know, t- talking about it objectively, looking at the season as a whole, it's something that you would, you know, priority wise would be would be a wee bit further down the list. But um, where we're going, where where we're likely to be after um, the weekend, I imagine it's going to be a huge game. Uh- Opening question, uh, we got it from uh, Paddy Biggins. He asks, uh, should Aaron Moy's contract be extended beyond this season, given his age and the number of younger midfielders in that position? Um, thoughts? I mean, he's performed uh, very well recently. Um, he was very good when he came on against Rangers. Um, all that stuff, we, we know the form he's currently in is very good. He performed very well at the World Cup. Mm. But he is a little bit older. His contract does run out at the end of the season. What do you think, Chris? Would you would you be tempted because we are we getting quite heavy in that department? I mean, I, I'm a fan of Moy. I think his form's been good. I think he really shone at the World Cup um, for Australia. Him and Irvin, I thought, were really good in the midfield. Um, but I think it's still fairly obvious from his peak that he's dropped a yard of pace already. And it's a law of diminishing returns with a guy of his age. So... In terms of extending his contract, I wouldn't say no, but you do that on a short-term basis, analysing the squad overall. You know, uh, Iwata's coming in um, as well just now. So it may be that the squad, um, the midfield's ticking at a certain level where it becomes more and more of a bit-part player. And I imagine Moy's on a fairly decent wage with us, so all of that comes into it. So on the basis of his form just now, you might go, yes, I would do that. But there's a lot of factors to take into account in terms of who might develop, who might come through. Um, you know, he's, he's not getting any younger, as he says. It might be, you know, if he picks up any sort of injuries. For me, he's the sort of guy that needs to kind of build into, a, you know, fitness in a run of form. So I wouldn't rule it out, um, but I certainly wouldn't be viewing him as a mainstay of our midfield going forward. But he's definitely somebody who I would have no issue being around the squad in terms of his professionalism and what he's contributing just now, you know. So I wouldn't be looking to give him it just now. I definitely wouldn't rule it out, but, you know, short-term deals going forward. Yeah, I think on I think his contribution recently, <clears throat> I think if people are saying, well, it's a no-brainer, I think it's fairly, it's kind of hard to argue with. I think it's a brainer. Um, <laughs> that's really uh, putting me off my train of thought. <laughs> um, I think what you probably are looking to do though is, is if you are looking at giving him a, a new deal if you know for instance if you wanted clarity this month or next month then you really would have to be confident that you're moving a number of the players that are already there that aren't getting game time out the door because if you were to say move out you know Abogar, James McCarthy you know Adiguchi, if those three were to go and then you were to you know give Moy another year then that improves the average you know, ability of your team, I think, because you're, if your backups then become stronger, then, you know, you're prepared for, you know, different eventualities. If it is, though, with the hope that Aaron Moy makes the same contribution next year in terms of game time as he does this year, I probably would be inclined to agree with Chris and say that you're maybe being a bit optimistic. Um, and I, I don't think he is the archetypal number eight that Ange Wants. probably wants in that area and that's not 
I don't really think that's me being contentious. I think he, he really likes him, he trusts him, and he's been very good recently. But I think one of the primary skills that Ange wants or attributes that Ange wants in those number eights is somebody that's really, really energetic, really aggressive in their running. And Moy, in spite of not having that, has been a success. But I think that is another element where you're thinking if you are getting to improving in Europe, then you are going to have to have a bit more in there. So I think if you were giving him another year, another year, it was in favourable terms. And it was on the basis that, you know, you probably will see less game time. I wouldn't have an issue with it because I think he's been excellent this year. And I think certainly domestically, he's shown that he can come in and make an impact. But I'm all about all over the park this year, driving improvement. And, you know, we're talking, we talked last week about Jack and Marcus, we'll probably come on and talk about it. We're talking about trying to drive up the talent everywhere in the team. And I think that then means that, you know, sometimes you need to make some tough decisions. So I wouldn't have an issue with it. I probably don't, I wouldn't want to see him as a starter, you know, for a full season next year. Rotational option, backup player next season, no, I wouldn't have an issue with, particularly based on his performance this year. Um, I would like to think we can do better, and that's no disrespect to Moy Toll because I really like him. But two windows, I would like to think that come the end of the summer window that we could get a player who's slightly younger, who, you know, can kind of drive us on with, you know, you mentioned there, Chris, about he has lost that yard of pace that, you know, maybe he had maybe four or five years ago. Um, again, you know, great player contributing with us right now, but, you know, going out of the Champions League potentially, I'd like to see someone else come in. And obviously we've just brought in a Wata as well, so... I think that's what it is. Every kind of discussion we have, we're quite, we're trying to be really optimistic and we're trying to think about Europe. And, you know, we talked about it in the first question... I mean, it's a theme that we want to see how far this team can go. And I think that's what you want to think about in every position of the park. And we've done it with a lot of players recently. You know, we talked about Joe Hart, I think, earlier in the week. Yeah, you're really trying to drive improvement so that you can say, right, first game in the Champions League group stage, is the team going to be better than it was the year before? And I think then that does mean that you need to make some tough decisions. So, And it, it does, it, I think, well, for me anyway, it goes against your natural instinct because... I've really enjoyed him recently. I think he should have started at Ibrox. I think we talked about that. In the same breath, I'm then saying, you know, if he's going to be a starter next year, I wouldn't be happy. Yeah. We're fickle, but I think well, that's well, just the nature of it. I don't think that is fickle, to be honest. I just think it's understanding the realities of the situation. What age is he, 33? 33. He's 33. Well, there's a, a, a quite a clear decline in terms of where he was as a player a few years ago. That's just natural, just because of his age. He's contributing just now. But it's only good planning to think that that's not going to last forever. You know, it's a guy like Scott Brown, you know, contributed to for us for years, but he was here for too long, you know, and, and I know it's completely different because he was the captain of the club, you know, but understanding when players aren't going to be able to offer you as much as they are uh, at, at, at that current point is part of being a good football manager. And I, I don't think that will be lost on um, Postacoglu, so... Yeah, I, you know, I'm enjoying watching Moy just now and the contribution he's making. But, you know, be daft to think, you know, I'll just keep doing that, give him, just kind of keep him round. He's, he's, he's going to naturally decline. What does it say, and again, I, I'm not criticising this player, but what does it say about Turnbull that he can't dislodge Moy and he's almost a decade younger than him? And I know we can talk about how he's a, a different type of player and, and, and all that stuff, but if you're David Turnbull and you're sitting on the bench and you see a 33-year-old kind of, who, you know, 
exceptional player on his day and stuff and give all that stuff. But you would think to yourself, if I'm on the bench here. Yeah, but I, I, I don't, I wouldn't put that down to age. I, I think that, to be honest, is more a question of ability at this point. David Turnbull was a player who came in, was really, really strong for us, but yeah, I don't think I'm, don't think I'm being unreasonable saying he, he hasn't kicked on. He hasn't taken that next step up. Some of the flaws that we've seen in terms of his maybe his movement, um, his kind of one-footedness, doesn't seem to have developed. And if you want to be a, a starting player at Celtic, you need to. We've talked about that natural position thing. I, I don't look at that and think that's an age thing. I think, to be honest, Moy is just a bit more professional and he's a player that can come in and probably is a bit more comfortable in his own skin and that he comes in, he knows probably what's expected and there's less pressure on Whereas I think when David Turnbull plays it, it does appear that he feels that he needs to excel and sometimes that comes with being a younger player but I don't, I wouldn't look at it and say he's 23, he's 33. I think it's that Moy at this point is just a better player um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, that might be disappointing because we might have high hopes for David Turnbull and you know he might reach those heights. But if he's not going to do it now, it's the same discussion we have when we talk about, you know, wanting academy players to break through. Andrew's maybe only going to be here three, four years. He might not see it as his job to say, uh, you know, to give that player minutes so that in four years' time he can be a squad player. He, he probably just wants to pick the best player. So I, I, I maybe... Think okay, no, no, that, that, that's a fair point. I, I just meant from the perspective of, you know, you're a young player with your whole career again in, in front of you. You brought in for a, a fairly big transfer fee in, in Scottish football terms. And you just can't make it. So he, sh- he should be annoyed. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, but, I'm not not I'm not talking about us as fans. I'm talking about him. I mean, he'll, yeah. but he'll be sitting there looking, thinking. I don't think if I'm not sh- playing. But I don't think he should. But that, I think that's the thing. He should be annoyed. But I would say he should be more annoyed with himself because he's not. <laughs> you know, but no, but genuinely, no, you're absolutely. I'm just laughing at. But well, giving him a. You know, you should be annoyed at yourself. yourself you annoyed. You, you've not let us down. You've let yourself down. <laughs> but I mean, the start of this season. I think on this podcast and I think elsewhere, we, you know, we had hopes for him kicking on and becoming a more important player for us just now. You know, right now he's just, you don't groan when he comes on and you don't think, oh yes, David Turnbull's playing or he's coming on. You just think... It's just a jersey coming on. Uh, and I, don't yeah. mean, I don't mean that to be harsh, but like mm. the, the thing the thing with... Um, I like the light there. No, just, uh, you keep saying after saying really mean things, I don't mean to be harsh, but I think we need to get a wee... You get to that once a pod. Okay, I'll have a wee thing. A wee, mm-hmm. I mean, no. What I mean about David Turnbull is we've been having the, the David Turnbull question has been uh, brought up over the last two seasons, and we're now at a point where probably for his own benefit, he probably needs to move because he needs to be playing regularly. Do you think he'll move in this window? No. No, even with a water coming in. No. Alan, I think it, if we were to bring in a. If Iwata was to come in and hit the ground running, I, I could maybe see a loan move. I don't see him going out the door because I think he's too big an asset and he's probably values at a, a, maybe a kind of, I don't want to say an all-time low Celtic, but he's not, you probably wouldn't recoup the money that you would want on him. Whereas a loan move, if he was to go and play, could be. And I think he might be at that stage. I don't think he'll even go in the summer because I think he's a player that you would, you know, he's under contract, you would want to keep and maybe loan him out somewhere so that actually goes and does well, show his value. I do think the biggest fundamental problem is with David Turnbull is, is that he looks every bit a number 10 and we don't play with an out-and-out number 10. I'd like to see him in Yeah, I would like to see him in a situation where, obviously it's not going to happen at Celtic, where he's given a little bit more freedom to create. But I mean, alone would probably be ideal for him, but he's, what, he's 23? He's going to nearly be 24? The only difference between 
him and Mikey Johnson as we paid a fee for David Turnbull. I mean, it's the, the two of them are of a similar age, and you know the trajectory wise. I had, I, I mean, I, I, I thought Johnson looked as if he was going to be a big, big player for us, and the same for Turnbull. And I, I, I some people have still got hope for Turnbull. Maybe we're being too harsh. Mm-hmm. Do you know? What I mean, maybe we are, but some people have still. But we've got, been having this conversation for but, like two seasons. But, it's, but it, yeah, and it's easier to because we signed Turnbull. Whereas Johnson came through, I think it's easier to write him off. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think he's going to make it at Celtic just now. But I'm kind of there with Turnbull as well. And it, the two of them have got a lot of talent. Turnbull really does have a lot of talent. I think so as well. And, and I think the point about him being more of a number 10 than a number 8 is, is spot on. He did a job for us in uh, last season in number 8 when we had absolutely nothing else there, you know. But in terms of moving on, kicking on, he's just not done it. He really just hasn't. I, I'd be quite... I can understand the point, but I'd be loath to lose David Turnbull for, what was it, three and a half million. If you were to offer me that, then I don't think I'd be happy with that. Because I think there's a player there, he is young, plays in the middle of the park, he's got, you know, you think Cal McGregor when he was that age. I think he's shown enough at that age in the middle of the park. It's not like a winger where he plays well for five minutes, ten minutes, and then he's out of the game. He's played a, quite a bit of football over the last 18 months. I think his development, there's still a lot there. I'd... I think you're raw tools to build with. Yeah, I think you'd be worth. I'd, I would much rather keep him because I wouldn't be surprised if three or four years as a regular Celtic starter. But there maybe has to be a wee step there. Um, so I, if you were to offer me your money back on him, he goes elsewhere. I'd probably pass at the moment. You would. You wouldn't be surprised if he was a regular Celtic starter. And yeah, I, I think. And when you play six, when you play in the middle of the park, it's getting younger, eh? You've played. <laughs> you've heck? played that. Um, you've played that much football. And he, he does have the ability. He just does a lot of fine tuning in his game. I think if you look at the players we've brought through in that kind of area, yeah, mid to late twenties when you really hit your peak, and you know he, he he was really good for his last year. We a different manager. We make play a ten. I just I'd hate to see him go and take a loss on him for you know you know to take two and a half three million. So that's probably what his value is at the moment. And then next the next manager we get comes in is like everything yeah. I do is built around a ten. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather the commitment, the outlay on him is long gone. I'd, I'd stick with it and really try and work in his development as opposed to just taking your money back on him and then, you know, watch him go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm. You've con- you're convincing us, Alan. To be fair. No, I'm convincing you. It's a man he's no buying. It, no. <laughs> I'm not. I'm he not. Shut the door in my face. I'm, I'm not on this one. I just, I don't know. I, he's. I just don't. I don't see it. I mean, in, in terms of, I think alone holding see, down a first team place at Celtic, you don't see it. I don't see it, and I think uh, I think six months would be really good at a team, probably another Scottish team. Um, and Ooh. no, I don't like no, that. I don't like that. Either. I think you'd be you'd be wanting to send him elsewhere. Like he's, he's done enough in this league to. There's nothing for him to learn playing weekend weekend Scotland. I think you'd be looking at down south, maybe somewhere else. Not the Championship though, as well, because there's as many cloggers down there as I, there I, is. I, I, I think no. For me, I think it's more about game time. And uh, allowing them, you know, a bit of that freedom. So I wouldn't be as I wouldn't be as concerned if he came to if he went to another Scottish club. I don't think it's so much about. I think it's more game time and, and and allowing him to play his game as opposed to him being that young that you're going to develop him into a first team player. So what you're saying is Lee Johnson would turn him into a Celtic starter. I don't think he'll be a Celtic starter. <laughs> He's a man point. like feuding parents here. <laughs> 
Do you, no, he wants but, to send them to you, you public think, school and I want to send them to private. private school. I was going to do it away, but it would never be that way. It, it, see, in terms of sending him away, it's not about making him into a first-team player for me because he's played first-team football. He's played first-team football for us. He played first-team football for Motherwell. He's been involved in the Scotland squad. It's almost about giving him a chance to get an extended run of games to build himself back up. I don't think you're going to fine-tune him tactically or, you know, or whatever or anything like that. And even if you were doing that, what sort of club would you send them to? I mean, because if you were sending them to the Championship in England, what's the send, difference? Send them to Italy. We, we, we send all the young guys love, within, love them. within a month, that would be they, good they're, they're 20 million. Look, tune in four years and we'll wrap this dis- discussion <laughs> up and we'll see who's right and who's wrong. Uh, in, in regards, I hope you're right, Alan. Thank you. Uh, in regards to uh, the striking position uh, in and out, uh, Gigi has, apparently his agent has agreed terms with Sampdoria, um, but not with the club in terms of the transfer fee. Then there's been rumours that Bordeaux have launched a, a bid for him at two and a half million to three million quid. There's a lot of kind of some fall noise. from grace they've had over the years. <clears throat> there's a lot, of, yeah, that's true. And um, there's a lot, a lot of noise around uh, Jackamakis currently, um, and it's very hard to kind of find out what actually is happening in regards to Cho. Um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of um, update. Celtic apparently had a bid accepted. Then we're hearing that uh, is it Minnesota and the MLS are, are looking at oh, Prince, Prince's from Minnesota, of course. He's from hi. He's from Minneapolis in Minnesota. Yeah. Would you like to me give you a Celtic connection to Minnesota United? Oh yeah, go for it. Stuart Kerr, goalkeeping coach. Is he? Yes. Nice, nice one. He was. Hopefully, still is. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll be out of date. And I need to find another one. Um, yeah, so I mean, in regards to good luck. <laughs> uh, in, in regards to him, there's there's not a lot of updates. Uh, he he was a he had a kind of I don't know if it was an interview today where he said he was still kind of not deciding whether he's going to leave in January. Um, he mentioned the the mines link is you know there's such a tease. Um, you would want to. I mean, we've talked about this before, and we're, we're kind of going around in circles a little bit. But it, it is the kind of hot topic at the moment. You wouldn't want to sell GG without having a replacement lined up or potentially brought in already, Alan, because if you do sell GG and you don't get anyone else in or you don't get one of your targets in, you literally are down to one striker. I mean, Maida can move in, but he's not as effective as GG in that position. If yeah, you think it, it doesn't need to necessarily be, you know, paperwork signed on one, complete the paperwork on the other, because you're not talking the outlay on Cho isn't 12, 15 million. I don't think it's that kind of deal. But we just don't, as you say, you don't want to be caught short. Um, I do, I think Gigi is keen to go and is keen to go in this window. Um, Are you surprised how keen he appears to be? No, not really. And that's not to sound like a smart ass. It's genuinely, I think we talked about it as far back as October, November. I wouldn't be surprised that he just isn't happy with the game time. Wants to play, you know, 90 minutes minimum every week. I don't think... He enjoys the coming on 60 minutes. I don't think any striker would. Um, and now that we are down to domestic football only, I think he's he's probably sees it as he's done everything he can here, um, which is fair enough. But, you know, that's another discussion. But from the perspective of that, I think we do need to try and make sure that we are comfortable that the target is locked on or we, we have another target. Um, because if Gigi does want to go, in the kind of way that we, we feel he does and I think a lot of the links would suggest that he is keen I think you need to try and make sure something happens this window both in and out so yeah I, I think it's um, I think it's fairly important I'd like to see Cho come in 
we'll talk about it. I'm less fussed about the quotes and the, you know, the saga, the drama. It's a huge deal. Like, it's a big move for him. His stock is probably an all-time high. He had a great World Cup. Yeah. He probably does want to make a big decision. He probably wants to get a good financial you deal can, from You can it. understand why he's taking his time. I mean, it's frustrating for us, but from the player's point of view, it's his first big kind of foray into European football. He wants to use whoever he signs as a way to go to England, which is fine. Um, so you can understand why he's taking a long time, Chris, because it's huge. It's a huge move. It's frustrating for us, though, because we just want the deal done. Yeah, I mean, and the fact of the matter is more, I mean, it's Typical Celtic, as you know. Can we blame Lawwell? Is that allowed well, that, to blame Lawwell? That, that's what I was going to say. More recently, we've been getting our deals done very, very quickly. I mean, even as recently as the Iwata deal, it just kind of happened. You know, um, it was announced before New Year, and you know he's here as, as a player. Lawwell comes back, and everybody's just saying, "Well, yeah, he's doing. He, he's getting involved." But I think more realistically, it's what Alan says. You know, this is a guy whose stock's high. He's got a number of options to consider. Um, he's got thoughts in his head, not only financially, but his career going forward. Um, where does he go? What does he do? I think that I think it's as simple as that. To be perfectly honest, um, aye, we'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, I'm we've I'm, been linked with another uh, a Polish Fabrizio Romano was on a, a podcast talking about. I think it was a Polish podcast, and we've been linked with uh, a, a Polish striker as well. Again, very young guy. Yeah. yeah. It, He's linked with the, uh, another South Korean striker as well, so I was go- I was kind of going on to say, look, it seems as if there's a bit of due diligence around it. If the Cho deal doesn't work mm-hmm. out, we've got other targets. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm fairly relaxed about it. Obviously, we're used to things happening a bit more quickly recently, and that's nice. But with regards to this one, I think it's just a wee bit different given his profile at the moment. A question came in from Robert McPherson and it's on uh, Awata. Uh, Hi guys, hope your day is going 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 well. Same to you, Robert. Alan, say something, Robert. I hope your evening's going well, Robert. Chris. Hi, Robert. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It seems like Celtic are very keen to push a lot of Awata content, which makes it seem like he may be the marquee signing, which obviously isn't surprising as he was a J-League player of the year. So if he he is to be a fulcrum of the team going forward... I love that word, fulcrum. I love love fulcrum. Do you know, quite a lot of the emails and... Submissions we've had are quite a lot. I'm going to sound thick here, but I've got a lot of big words in them. You know, oh, Edgar boasting about no reading books before the podcast started recording. I wasn't boasting. I just was pointing out I haven't read a book in a number of months. Uh, it was the months you said a volume of months. He last read one for his RPR. Um, I know someone who uh, had for their RPR. They didn't read the book. And they watched the film instead. Classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Marcus. Um, <laughs> so if he is to be a fulcrum of the team, um, shout out to my friend Marcus McLeod. Um, so if he is to be a fulcrum of the team going forward, how does he get regular minutes? Uh, we talked about this. We on the Cynic we have podcasts uh, very regularly. We had a podcast on Monday known as the Agenda, and we discussed this a little bit. But it's still good to go back and, and think about it. Um, Awat has been brought in. And I think, you know, Robert's right. There has been a lot of content. Um, he And he was G-League Player of the Year. He's a good-looking boy. His English seems to be quite good as well, which is, 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 a, is a real benefit, I think, when from bedding players in. What are you thinking, Alan? You think you think he's going to be someone that they're going to try and bed in quickly or, you know, take their time with him? I think it will follow the mould of any previous signing um, and that if he's good, you'll see him. And if he's not, 
You'll <laughs> just not see him ever again. again. Um, and who you could know, you be talking about? You know, we've, we've had a few that have kind of we've got a good sample of both in each category. I firmly believe, and I have been really engaged with the the content. It's probably the most I've been engaged in a new signing content probably since Jota, maybe. Um, but then Jota was so we waited so long for it that you were just happy to see him in a Celtic jersey and not on holiday or anything like that. <laughs> I really have enjoyed their content. Yeah, um, it's been great. Been consuming it, you know, just a big sleeve of tuck biscuits. Um, good, good. It's, just, it's good. just been. I don't know. He speaks really well. He is a really. He looks a really good player. It looks exactly what we need. It kind of feels like. Are you impressed with his physicality? I'm very impressed with his uh, physicality. He is a handsome guy. He's a good player. Um, I think I'm. He's probably the most excited I've been about a player being a really good fit since maybe Maeda coming in, and that you felt like, like I don't know how good he'll be or what his ceiling will be, but you know for a fact that Awata will come in and he'll be able to make a contribution to this team now. I don't know whether he's going to displace Cal McGregor, whether he'll be a guaranteed starter. I feel really confident that this player will come in and he will be a part of the first team this season because he has the attributes. You know, it just feels like a really good fit. So I'm quite excited. I'll be keen to see how quickly we see him introduced. Will he be on the bench at the weekend? Will Ange make that decision early? Ange knows him. The player speaks really, really highly of Ange. Um, It just feels... It feels good. It feels like a really good fit. So I'd, I'd be very surprised if he comes in and gets the Abogar, McCarthy, Adiguchi kind of treatment. Chris, your thoughts? Excitement? Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm quite hopeful for it. Maybe not as nailed down as Alan is, but I think you'll know pretty quickly because the manager will play him. You know, you're talking about Abogar, the Adiguchi, and, and McCarthy treatment. I think. It, I think those signings came in and the manager felt did not feel compelled to play them, whereas there are, there's other guys, you know, like Vickers, come in and it was just like, right, that's it, you're in, you're gone, you're, you're starting. Yeah. And I think you'll know fairly... Johnson as well, you know, and I know there wasn't a lot of options, but Johnson throwing him straight into a, mm-hmm. a derby, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I mean, I genuinely think that you'll know fairly quickly if um, he's going to... He's, he's in the manager's plans in that manner. And I'm looking forward to it because... I'm a sucker for a YouTube video. And, uh, <laughs> Love them. And, and uh, if, if they're good in the YouTube video, then uh, that's it for me. I, I think we should bring Ambrose back because he looked really good. Um, see, see, in regards to the point you make about um, you, you'll know quite quickly, I think that is really... That's what I like about Ange Postacoglu. You, you do know quite quickly. Um, Kobayashi's been on the bench, and again, obviously, he's a centre-half, and it's a very different position, and Ange has made it clear that he doesn't necessarily like you know, bringing centre-halves in or breaking up partnerships and stuff. So that's fair enough. But he's still been on the bench since the the get-go. So you you do feel that he would probably be the first go-to, maybe? I I don't know if you were thinking about this on Saturday, but was it... Did Carter Vickers or Starfelt go down briefly on Saturday? Starfelt went down briefly, yeah. Was it not Vickers? Oh, maybe... I think both of them have went down over the last (laughs) couple of games, yeah. He's backtracking now. I can't (laughs) remember one going down. (laughs) Um, But Kobayashi and, and Jens were both warming up and... I was just, I was kind of eyeballing to see, Who because is, yeah. it would be a huge call to immediately, I mean, it really would be, I don't mean to sound good, but it would be in the end of agendas, I think, if he would have called oh. Kobayashi in. You know, that would be at the stage, I'm now fourth choice at best, and the reason he came is to play football. So um, that was just a wee side thing from Saturday that I noticed. I was kind of keen to see, even if Carter Vickers or Starfield, whoever went down. 
See, it would have been interesting to see who got the call back first, even if he didn't come on, just to see who was the first to get stripped. Kobayashi's been with us for quite a while now in regards to just, obviously, he came during the World Cup and he was only training. <clears throat> He's now available. If that call has to be made, not this weekend, St Mirren, let's say, midweek, Celtic Park, do you think he would go Jens or Kobayashi? I, I think he'll go... I think it'll go Kobayashi to be honest and it's not I, I just think it's probably the decision he brought him in knowing that he had you've got the option on Jens Jens made very clear that he wanted to make the deal permanent I don't know if he would be that keen now not because he doesn't enjoy it here but because he's finding his game time limited I think we've seen the the good of Jens but we've seen the bad and I think me and we talked about it on, on this pod I think quite a lot and that it wasn't even necessarily against you couldn't figure out it wasn't well, you know, European games of struggles. It was, there was it's no not, he, wasn't cons- he wasn't consistent on one level no. and then he took a step up and it was tough for him. He was actually quite good in the Champions League at points. And, yeah. and yeah. then he dropped off in maybe league games and he would get just, I think for, I, I think you'd go Kobayashi. I'd like to think anyway. What do you think? I, I don't, I don't know what he'll do. I'm I'm quite wary. Right now, if, if you ask me who I would bring on or put in, I would, put Jens in just because it is that centre half position I've seen what he can do you, I really don't know how good bad or indifferent Kobayashi is and it's, it, it is because it's such a key defensive position it's just you, you kind of want to be reassured I want to see him on the park going more phone now up I want to see him come on for the last 20 minutes yeah. but that's just me <laughs> um, so that would yeah just a wee bit nervous about that but Manager's brought him in, he's got the strength of his convictions. If you were asking me who he would pick, I'd, I'd probably say that he would pick him too. I'd just like to point out that my kind of favouritism of Kobayashi isn't based on watching him, because I haven't, um, not even the YouTube videos. It's just based on, he's a guy you brought in, I, you need to hope that he's better than Jens, because we need someone in that position. So, I, I, you know, I can't wait to be recording, was it next Thursday? Because then we all know what we've got on Saturday. Greenock Martin at home. Oh. I cannot wait to pick my favourite 11 for that game. There'll be names nobody's ever heard of in my team. <laughs> um, we're we're going to talk about the, the big semi-final in, in just a few moments, but we've got a couple of talking points I want to bring up, and I'll bring these up mainly because we've had some questions about them. Uh, in the first one, Michael Beale's comments. Uh, Michael Beale, adamant and Postacoglu is lucky uh, over Celtic spending as Rangers boss seeks three windows to build. He was quoted saying, we don't spend the money, uh, the most money in the country. Celtic have made three signings and people are asking, are you going to make three? No, we will do what we think is best. But also they spend a lot more money than us. So Ange is a lucky man because he spent a lot of money. He's a good coach. He just keeps saying he spent a lot of money. He said that three times. But he spent a lot of money. It's like that thing when you just keep repeating the thing so that the... The dog can um, I, like, understand I, I, it. That's what it is. It's it's essentially it's just he's signalling to their support. Let's remember this is a club who qualified for the Champions League, got to the UEFA Europa League final, sold Bassey for what twenty million, whatever it was, sold Patterson for decent money. I think they get decent money for a Rebo, and they've got no dosh. That's because they had run up, they'd spent a fortune on their squad. So. You know, have we spent more? Maybe we have, but let's not pretend that that squad that they've got wasn't built on a lot of cash. So, and you know, so, um, so essentially, it's just it's it's just saying things to kind of curry favour with the support. Uh, and just total transfer spends around forty six million. But if you think about Edward Ayer and all that, yeah. you know, thirty three million's been brought in. It's you know, 
13 million or something like that. I think one of the things that we kind of, to try and bring it back to Celtic a little bit, do you know Michael Beale made a brave decision to go and coach in Brazil, by the way? Very brave. Very brave. I'd just like to commend him for that because he's such a brave wee soul. He, he just he seems to bring up at every opportunity that and Celtic he, are these two favoured. I don't know if I've, I've just like I, I hate every Rangers manager, right? Just as a matter of fact, but I'm not sure if one has annoyed me so much. It's that it's the accent, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the fucking it's the man. Harry Brown um, accent <laughs> that, he's, that I'm quite sure he puts on. It's, it's I think it's it, it's that Celtic Celtic. It's that knowingness of what to say. To appeal to the support, he just strike. He's get a touch of the Brendan Rodgers about, you know. He's a, and they'll fall for hook, line, and sinker for it like no. we did. Um, it, feels, it feels like he's taking down uh, one of our club legends. Um, I think just uh, the point I was going to make, Danny. That, Danny, you're here as long as I've heard it all before, and that's before. bingo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we've talked about it a lot, though. A lot of the same. We've signed a lot of players, but we've been. We have been quite, I don't know, opportunistic in the market. Like even going back to talking about like Haksabanovic and Abelgard. Now, whether they work out or not tends to be entirely different from the recruitment side of it. But as kind of playing in the nose in your face that we have exploited the, the J League and we have used the kind of the dynamics of Ange coming from a completely different culture and having belief and faith in the players that he's worked with and coached over the years or watched to come over and make a difference here and they are significantly cheaper than if they were doing the same thing in the Polish League or the Turkish League or anywhere in Europe or even in South America so you can say that spending on but really Dyson made uh, you know I think Kyogo was the most expensive you know four and a half million so you've used you know for years we spent a lot of money and we talked about that kind of 1.5 to 3 million range that we used to just spend willy-nilly on anyone and it, whether it worked out or not but actually we've targeted it and it has really really worked well in our favour this time so you might it might feel like we're signing a lot of players but actually it's all kind of within um, you know we kind of use business but it's all within mandate we aren't being not throwing money about it is kind of sustainable you can if this was our transfer spend year on year then I think actually the club would be quite happy with it so when Ange goes to the board and says I've got this player this is a player I need and I want they look at them, they log on to whatever website they look at and the fee is there, they probably think, great, this guy's coming to us with two million players. Whereas, you know, you mentioned Brendan Rodgers, he was going saying, I want a nine million fullback. Yeah. And it's like, ah, it's well, a, don't work it's in a those tough, markets. tough deal yeah. to do because even if he's really good, he might only get his 12 million. That's that's not worth it. Whereas Ange goes and says, you know, I, I need dies and made. I've worked with him before he's brilliant. Look at it, 1.5 million. Happy days, you know. It's, it's entirely different. It is, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's for a long time when we were talking about transfers under previous managers, not just Rogers, but even before that, it was always about we need to spend more money, we need to, you know, to compete, we need to do this, we need to do that, and it was it was almost about, you know, you're, to get the next level of player, you need to spend upwards of six, seven, eight million, and even when we brought Edward in, when we paid nine million pound for him, we thought that's the market we need to go to. What's good about this is we're tapping into other markets, which um, means you're getting players of a, a certain calibre, but you're not having to spend money that we really can't generate in Scotland. So that's quite refreshing, and it's something that the managers um, brought to the club and to the wider 
league as well because we see there's a, a number of Japanese players coming into it's good yeah yeah see, that, that we were talking uh, to yeah just the idea of Scottish teams always going down to like League 2 in England and like going to these kind of leagues in England that are kind of way below the kind of standard that you need there are plenty of players out there there are plenty of leagues that you can go and you know you know scout well and you know there are bargains out there so I'm very happy to see other clubs kind of maybe taking a wider approach um we got a we got a question from scott murphy our questions or comment and um, this was for the agenda which we recorded on the monday but I, I said to him we'd um, speak about it today given good morning but good evening um given the clubs who are reportedly interested in jj and gg should we be prepared for relatively smaller fees than we previously expected before the window opened and do these moves potentially prove Ange's absolute focus on the importance on footballing squad harmony above the club's financial gains. Uh, Michael Beale, cover your ears. Uh, um, what's your kind of thoughts on that? I, I think as fans, probably we speculate about fees. I would imagine if there is any sort of release clauses, the club will obviously be aware of that. They'll plan accordingly. And I think they'll probably be have been sounding the market for quite some time. So I don't think the club will necessarily be as maybe... Um, shocked as well certainly we were when we seen the kind of seven million pounds slash euro fee for jj floating about i think gg's fee uh i struggle to speculate if i say four million people say you're underselling and if i say 10 then people say ah oh, you'll never get that so it really it, it is the definition of he is worth whatever someone's willing Only to pay buy, yeah so you know we'll wait and see there but uh, you know i think both will go for a profit both have been very successful when they're here the stuff about squad harmony, I don't, to be honest, think I've seen anything from either player that makes me think that they are causing any sort of issue. You can be professional while still want to leave. Um, and I know JJ's performance at Ibrooks was, well, awful, but I don't necessarily think it was unprofessional. I just think it was a really bad game. So I don't think I would have any hesitation playing either of them on Saturday if it came to it. Um, I think you certainly probably will see at least one of them on Saturday for... Um, for a period of time so no I, I, I don't think it's any issue there I think Ange if he didn't think that they were focused I think he would probably leave them out the match day squad I don't think he would hesitate so I'd, I'm quite comfortable with them both being part of the team um, in the meantime as you know if it gets late in the window we'll see how it goes but I think both have been thoroughly professional um, Chris you can have points on that with regards to the fees um <sighs> You, you don't know this is a thing. You're speculating about clauses and contracts and things like that. Juranovic you, one, the weirdest thing about the Juranovic ones, who he's been linked to, because mm. I don't care if, see if he's got a, a clause for 7 million euros or whatever. I don't care. You just played in the semi final of the World Cup. You don't move to Monza. Right? So if he, if he's moving, if he does move there, that would just be perplexing. Mm. But the two of them are players. What, 28, 27, 28, you know, they're, they're towards their, the upper 20s, you know what I mean? They've not got, not like Tierney, you know, when they're in their early 20s and they've got that big resale value as well. Some of it probably will be driven. Giacomacchus as well, see if he is looking to move, because some of the clubs he's been linked with is, I'm thinking, see if the fee that you're quoted there is like two and a half, three million pounds, just keep But if he's a player who's saying, I want to go, I think and that that's what you're case, being offered, though, yeah. that's... That's a different matter. See, if if Giacomacchus was happy here, um, but clubs turn, were interested in him, you would be saying, well, up your price here. If yeah. Giacomacchus, if you turn around to Giacomacchus and you say, we're going to give you a 
a hefty wage increase or as much of a wage increase as we can for our essentially second striker. I still think he'd want to go because I think the point is about what Alan's saying is I think he just wants to play every week. He's different to Juranovic for me. Completely different in terms of his ability and his stock as a footballer. You know, if he wants to go and he wants to play every week, well, that probably is going to affect the calibre of club that's going to come in for him. Um, and that kind of dictates, you know, I mean, we're talking about Sampdoria. Sampdoria looks as if they could be relegated from Serie A. They're not Sampdoria of, the past, you know, yeah. the past. So the, the, the calibre of club and the level they're at that is coming in from him is probably, I wouldn't say, it's not surprising. Juranovic one's completely different for me. Even if there is a clause that lets him go for that amount of money. In fact, if there is a clause that lets him go for that amount, you think somebody yeah. somewhere would come in and say, I will take you. Maybe not necessarily starting, but mm-hmm. you know, have him have him in the squad with the, the level he's played at. He plays for us as an inverted fullback, you know, seeing a more traditional you know, I, I think you've seen him play that way for, for Croatia. Croatia. He's a really good fullback. So yeah. it, Daft links like Monza. If he goes there, there's something weird, you know. But I think he should be going to a, a, a higher profile club. Yeah. Um, before we kind of focus, I know we said we would uh, a couple of minutes ago, but we will focus on the, the semi final in a few moments. We're going to go a lot longer than we usually do. Um, and just comments at the press conference regarding VAR. Um, I'm just going to play a couple of them. Hi, Ange. Um, so here from Alistair Johnson yesterday, he was talking about the game on Monday and the, the penalty decision for the handball. For you, looking back a bit, what, what do you think about it now? It's a penalty. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I've seen sort of people do all sorts of mental gymnastics trying to show why it's not a penalty, which probably suggests it is. Just stop trying to find a reason it's not. If it wasn't, it'd be a simple explanation. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's one of those things where, <clears throat> you know, you kind of, I guess, and I don't think it's just confined to us uh, as a club. I think there's other clubs probably in the same boat where it's just really confusing now for 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 sort of players in 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 the box to know what they they can or can't do because it seems that it changes depending on you know who's who's in charge of you know um, the decision making process because. There's just zero. There's been zero consistency in in in, in the decisions being made. So <coughs> now, again, my view on this has always been, and and this for 25 years of of coaching and managing. Um, yeah, I've always abided by the referee's decision. I think you know. Um, again, you'd be hard pressed to find me really criticising any referee um, in my whole tenure as a manager, but because <clears throat> I've always believed these things even themselves out. They're, they're human beings, they make mistakes, we make mistakes, players make mistakes. You know, um, over the course of a season, these things usually even themselves out, but when I look at the introduction of VAR and the decisions have gone against us in particular, zero chance that that's going to even up between now and the end of the year, because it's just remarkable that we've had three, three at least three major decisions go against us. Uh, I mean, he kind of explains further, um, but key points. Um, I thought he spoke well. I, I don't think there was anything particularly controversial what he said. Of course, that was kind of spun out by the, a lot of the Scottish media. What do you make of his comments, Alan? Yeah, I think he's been he's been consistent, and that I think he started to grow increasingly frustrated with it. And it is based on you know 
largely the kind of handball decisions, which have been really difficult. And I don't think he's seen anything groundbreaking. I don't think, it, you know, if you were to, if it was the early 2000s and you were to pick up a, the back page of a newspaper every day, you'd probably think, wow, he's really going off. But actually, when you listen to the comments, you put them in context. I think he's probably saying largely what probably most fans think, that at best it's been inconsistent. You could go further. We will <laughs> <laughs> come in, the water's warm, mate. Um, but, you know, from Andrew's perspective, having been here 18 months, um, I think VAR is obviously something that has particularly highlighted it. It's been really disappointing and really poor. And I think he's probably, I think he's probably trying to shine a slight light on it because you probably want to flag it up and say, can we find out what's happening here? From our point of view and a selfish point of view, I'm delighted because I'm not one of the ones that says we like the idea of Celtic should go to the SFA. We've been here before. We've did it so many times before. We've heard it. And in reality, I think it's better coming from, I know that people say it's Celtic's job. It's not the manager's job. I think the best person it can come from is the manager and say, look, I don't know what's happening here and I need an explanation. Um, he's not demanding anything, but he's just asking for a bit of clarity. And if it was me, if it was, you know, any level of football, I've always believed that you put pressure on referees, whether it's in-game, whether it's pre-game, after-game. I don't think that's necessarily what Angie's doing, but it's a nice byproduct, I think, from Celtic's point of view. And look, I don't think you're going to get any big change structurally in terms of the league, how the referee games are that. Look, we'll park that for another pod or, you know, we've talked about it previously. I'm quite happy because I think, I hope now that when you get another handball like this, especially the ones that go to the monitor, I think they will be looking at it and thinking, need to be careful here. Yes. And do you know what? That's I, I can live with that. I, I'm quite happy with that. I'd like to see him. I think we've got enough stock now. We've been quite fortunate that the decisions haven't necessarily cost us. So now use what's happened against us and try and see if we can get something out of it. Like, I know that's, but that's just the reality of it. I don't really care. I'd, I'd just like to see us put pressure on referees game by game. And if it works, then good. Hopefully it starts on Saturday. Hopefully the next derby in what, April, March, whatever it is. Hopefully we either get away with one or we get a bit of good luck because it's, you know, we deserve it. Um, just a, a comment from uh, Paul Gibson. There is no conspiracy to deter, to deter Celtic in winning trophies, um, but there is an inherent conscious and unconscious bias from individual during matches from this could start trouble if I award X to I grew up supporting Rangers so I can't give major decisions against them. What uh, options, if any, do you believe are open to Celtic? Also, on the same weekend, we have extra refs telling us all fans are fickle and paranoid. I listened to a podcast with two ex-managers who stated that certain referees wouldn't give decisions against Rangers as it was their team. Why don't the SFA acknowledge this, particularly as one of these managers is still managing in the championship in Scotland? Uh, good points, Chris. Well, I don't think... I mean, one of the most reasonable um, things that, that, that people mention in terms of dealing with a situation with referees is getting them to declare their allegiance. Now, that happens in England, and that's the reason for that is obviously that it, it just takes that away immediately, doesn't it? There is, you probably have to acknowledge the size of Scotland and the way that the support spread that that becomes a wee bit more difficult here. But at the same time, it's, you know, we've, we've heard all these stories about referees and on the after-dinner speak yeah. circuit after they've retired talking about it and making, making a few quid, you know, <laughs> selling stories about who they favoured and what they did and things like that. So there has to be. I, I don't think that's entirely unreasonable. And I think it's it's. The, 
shining a light on it and just it's not even it's not even about pointing the finger over individual decisions. It's about talking about the standard of refereeing as a whole and saying, look, it needs to improve. What measures are we going to take to do that? And that could be one of them, just to say, look, let's take that out of the way. Let's do that. Let's just, who do you support? And then once we've got four referees left that supports at Marin, Partick, Thistle and whoever, we can just get them to referee games. And It'll be like that um, Saturday night. TV show with uh, Paddy McGuinness when they say, right, Rangers game up next, who can do this game? And it's like, boom, 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 boom. The problem with it would be, you can imagine, is if you declared your allegiance as a Rangers fan, yeah. you wouldn't referee Rangers games, but then you wouldn't want to referee Celtic games either, you know, so, um, and then vice versa. But I don't know, it's, 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 did you see the, the That's a problem because they do you know we've we've seen, we've got experience of of referees ex referees coming out and saying these things after it so it's not as if it's just conjured out of thin air or it's paranoia but it's it's I I think maybe we're at this stage now as I say we've been here before we were here in what 2008 with the ref strike uh, some after as well yep yeah. I think and we're at the stage now where it's right okay what's a good idea and someone says let declare the allegiance it's not going to happen um, I think what you do need though is you need fans, clubs, people working in the game to have some sort of trust in the process because if that trust in you know, the SFA was to ebb away further then it makes it very, very difficult. If you have a bare minimum amount of trust in how referees are brought through, how they are fast-tracked or not fast-tracked, I think that then helps because then you start to think, well, they've actually maybe they didn't just get in it to make one decision against Celtic because, you know, it takes a long time to get to be a top-level referee. There is very, very little trust, though, because of some of the things that you've mentioned there that make us very suspicious. Um, I, to be honest, like I said earlier, I, I just think about it from a Celtic point of view and I feel a wee bit like uh, George Costanza from Seinfeld now and that I demand reparations. That's really what I want. And if that's a penalty this weekend, that's a starting point. I think it was. I, I think it was before the game in Radio Scotland. I'm sure Kenny Clark was on. Oh, he's just fucking kind of shot him up these days. I can't talk about anything, wasn't, but uh, yeah. I'm sure it was Kenny Clark. I listened. I, I did. I listened to it in the way in the stadium on Saturday. I can't come on and talk about specific games or specific incidents. His entire reason to be on there was to, to defend talk. the standard of refereeing, yeah. and then that's that's one of the biggest problems here. You know, it the standard of refereeing is terrible, right? That's a base level thing. Right, you can either you can then say why is it terrible? Is it terrible because of inherent bias? Is it terrible because the referees are just really bad referees? You know, for me that's an inar- inarguable fact that the standard of refereeing in Scotland is terrible. And when the SFA sends somebody on who's basically not allowed to say anything other than talk about how good the refereeing is, it's pointless. It's and it's the them circling the wagons and basically yeah. saying, "What's the problem here? There's no issue here." That's for me is a bigger problem than anything else. The decisions aren't good, you know. How, why they aren't good, you know. People will talk about. I get that, right? But if we're in a position where the SFA can't even acknowledge there's a problem, then there's an even yeah. bigger problem. I think just on that, if you can't look at, and I'll use the either Matt O'Reilly one against us or the Michael Smith one. Well, I suppose it's against us as well. If you can't have someone say to you those incidents and you go on and say, yeah, maybe they've got those wrong because you just stand behind and say, well, I can't talk about specific... See if you can't 
it's you know the cost be displayed. If you can't say that, then you've got a real fundamental issue because everyone can see that. I don't think I've not met anybody that thinks Michael Smith one wasn't a penalty. Oh. And the Matt O'Reilly one is genuinely one of the worst. Decisions. I know people talk about the Burnaby one. Genuinely, the Matt O'Reilly one is awful. It's not a penalty. And you've have got so many now that you're looking at and you're saying there is no clarity in the rule. If they can't come out and actually explain it now and say what is, what isn't, that's when you've got a problem. And Kenny Clark, I've heard from Morex, I heard from um, Conway, was on BBC Off the Ball on Sunday. Referees are coming out of the woodwork now to, as you say, circle the wagons, defend, right. but they're not offering anything. And explaining it, anything. It needs yeah. to be, and Kenny Clark works with the league now. Sorry, works with the SFA now. So he has the ability to try and enact change or clarify or assist, but he's not doing it. All they're doing is coming on and saying, well, we can't talk about specific incidents, but referees are, they're, they're not, there's not a big conspiracy against Celtic or, you know, fans or whatever. And it's like they're adding nothing to the discourse. No. It's just, we rather than this, we've been here before, we'll probably be here again. All we want in the meantime is maybe a bit of levelling up. That's the best I think we can ask for, to be honest. That VAR will get better. All these sorts are just right. just platitudes, basically, and it's uh, not surprising. Celtic take on Kilmarnock in the semi-final of the League Cup on Saturday. It's a 5.30pm kick-off. It's at the National Stadium. Are you excited, Christopher Sarmani? Buzzing. Buzzing, I. No, I, I like it. See the Saturday night half-five kick-offs, semi-final League Cup. Get a wee bit about them. Crowd's you got... get a wee bit about you, eh? A bit of baby. <laughs> he likes a drink, yes. Yes, yes I have consumed a pint or two right. in the past. As soon as I did that, I thought, you're a fucking dickhead. Aye, God, that. Arsenal, Aye that. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's, those games are the best. When it's it's not not like a, a night game, obviously. Celtic Park or whatever starts at quality. quality. Obviously, we talk about the, the Celtic Rangers game last season. They've been one of the drunkest supports that we've, <laughs> we've had. Um, people are going to be merry. You know, under the floodlights, the atmosphere's going to be good. Hamden isn't always the best, but I tend to find, I remember the Hibs semi-final we had, it was great, it was a great atmosphere and, and Celtic were really good. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Played Kilmarnock on Saturday, really stuffy, typical Derek McInnes side. You know, wasn't pleasing in the eye. First half we weren't great, second half we got better. We don't need to talk about that game now, I've just summed it up. <laughs> but I think Done. with a wider pitch... There's more opportunity to get in behind that kind of stuffy side that he, the, the way that they're more than likely to set up. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I, I, I've got a good feeling about it. Good stuff. Uh, Alan, how are you feeling about it coming into it? I'm really looking forward to it for a lot of the reasons you mentioned there. Saturday, half five, these games have tended to be have a bit about them. It does feel, I don't know, the League Cup over the last five, six years, maybe because we just won it most years, has felt really good and actually I think it's it's added a lot so looking forward to it um, it'll be good I don't think it'll necessarily be one for football purists um, as you mentioned unless Derek McInnes has been visited in the night by the ghosts of football in the past then he will go man for man and he will hope that to stay in the game so a bit of patience might be required but um, no I think if we get a goal I think it could be a really good game for us and it's a cup game it, like we said at the start so many things have to go in your favour to actually achieve you know, winning cups, you don't have the same margin for error that you probably do in the league. So it does add something to it. I, mm. I can't wait. I, I'm looking forward to the wee change. Um, and Hampton's been a look, that's, it's a game changer over the last five years, the way Hampton has been for us. So can't wait. Excited. Looking forward to 
getting there. Uh, tomorrow on the weekend update, um, we will we should have released at uh, one pm tomorrow. Um, I spoke to a Kamarnock fan, just getting the kind of their thoughts on on the game and uh, how Kamarnock are lining up and stuff. And essentially, he says we have no idea. It changes on week to week. So there's no real consistency. No, when it's against Celtic, pal. I tell you, it'll be man for man. Man for man. Um, the idea that, you know, um, Celtic go into this game with uh, options off the bench, is that something you'd, you you think or do you think you'll play very similar to how we played in regards to personnel on Saturday? Chris? Because um, there are there are some, you know, you could bring people in, you could bring people out. Um, you know, the fullbacks. <laughs> fuck up, Alan. Soon, also, as soon as I said that, I thought, what are you talking about? Fella, I believe they call that. <laughs> no, but like obviously, the, the, the two fullbacks didn't have a particularly great game in the first half. They, they improved in the second half. There's no Greg Taylor. Um, obviously, he's he's unavailable. Juranovic, um will be available. Would you be keen to keep it the same team as Saturday, or would you make changes? Yeah, I mean. The, the, Burnaby, for me, is... I mean, he obviously put a very nice pass through for for the first goal, but other than that, I thought he was really quite poor in possession. He would be my biggest concern because I don't... I think he's still miles off being somebody who... Even comfortable, you know, starting games for us just now. So it, we've seen some ability for him attacking-wise. Um, and a few weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, I, I was at the point where I said, like, I think I'd be fairly comfortable with him starting certain games. Maybe I backtracked a wee bit on that because he just he does look as if he's still very raw, very inexperienced. But I don't think we've got much choice, but I do think we've got enough in the squad. Especially, I think you might play Maida there, you know, in terms of uh, in, in front of defense, him. Yeah. To, for, you know, to give him a bit of support there. Johnson, I'd be fairly happy keeping him there. For me, Juranovic is um, assuming that he's kind of looking to leave and he's working his ticket or whatever. Johnson's going to be the first choice right back, so you kind of keep him in there. Um, is Ralston, is, sorry to interrupt, but is Ralston injured? I've not seen a lot. Yeah, he did get that injury in the... Before the Yeah, I can't remember what game it was, I. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drunk he's injured, eh? <laughs> no, it's just he's not been on the bench or anything, so... No, he's injured. He's injured, eh? <laughs> <laughs> a stinker, so Remember he went off and came back on. Can't remember who it was against. Was uh, it the Hibs game? He's injured, eh? Was it Christmas Eve, eh? Can't remember. Uh, St. Johnson, yeah, yeah. Um, this, this must make for great. <laughs> but, so, so Johnson and uh, Bernabeu, um the two... Central defenders uh, as Starfelt and CCV. The back five picks itself, Alan? Yeah, I think you probably do go the same um, as you did last weekend. And I think we touched on the Bernabeu stuff on um, Monday. You're probably going to have to, you're at that point now where you stick a twist. If you don't go with them, it's a huge vote of no confidence. It's potentially quite difficult to come back from. So, no, I go with the same back five. Johnston, I think, continue that impressive progress we've seen since he signed. I'm, I'm very in on him. I think he looks a good player and I think I'd like to see him continue that development and get used to the system because it takes players a while to get used to it. So let's not pigeonhole him just yet. Yeah, um, absolutely. He's got plenty of uh, kind of... Attributes? No, no, what's the... Um... Pizzazz? Show sure, me pizzazz. He's <laughs> got pizzazz. But no, um, yeah, I, I think um, I think the, the back five picks itself. Midfield, is it a case of if McGregor's available, he plays Hitati and... Who would you... Stop answering the questions for us. Ask us our opinion and we'll, you know, we'll flap our gums for three minutes then I we'll f- pick McGregor, Hitati plus one. <laughs> Am I in a fucking... Abelgaard. Uh... I can't even speak. Um, who's your midfield? 
Chris or Manny? Oh, I knew you'd go to you first. Aye. Yeah. McGregor's hit thirty plus one. <laughs> uh, McGregor, Can you imagine if we signed a player called plus one? Yeah. <laughs> McGregor, nah, just... McGregor hit uh, and I would probably still pick Moy at the moment um, over O'Reilly. The bigger pitch will maybe help him. Just in, in regard... <laughs> <laughs> you need to help me out here, right? I think I probably would go with O'Reilly as well. Oh, would um, you? Aye. I uh, think the I, I'll go with O'Reilly. Are you going to go for Moy now? <laughs> I think I don't know. I just. I think after taking him out, I think he needed that wee break. Um, I know it's only a game. He's played a lot of football, different areas, still a young player. But when he came on last week, it was maybe a good time in the game. But I think you can be critical of him and still think he's got so much more to oh, offer. Absolutely. And I think that's where most people are. I think sometimes people get bogged down and he's not playing badly, he is playing badly. He's not playing at the level you want. And I know that sounds like a really middle groundy thing to say, but... But he is a player that I think we've got really high expectations absolutely, for. And absolutely. And he, I think after the run at number six, he went back to eight, I don't think he's reached the level. And I, I think that's what you want to get him back to. It, it, and I, I, you're saying it's middling. I don't, I don't think it is at all. I think it's just it's just evident on the circumstances just now. Has his form dipped from where he was even earlier in this season? Yeah. Is, has he hit the heights that we maybe hoped he would. I, I don't think he has, but he's still young. He's got all those attributes. I've got real confidence that he'll get there you and he's t- going to be a huge player for us. But that doesn't mean... You, you don't have to play him through that dip and form. Yeah, I think that's We've that. got other options. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that doesn't take away from the fact that he's going to make major contributions for Celtic this season and going forward. But right now, it's not a mad conversation to be having to think... Do we play him or Moy? Yeah, I think the thing with um, O'Reilly is you can tell that he's kind of frustrated. Like on the pitch during when he's been playing recently, you can tell off the ball that he's he's just a little bit frustrated with his performance. Um, we got a question from uh, Ken, Ken Walsh. Hello, one and all. You've been talking a lot about the six recently. This is in relation to uh, Matt O'Reilly. You've been talking a lot about the six recently and before and before that. Um, why do you think Ange hasn't played handsome Matt there uh, and McGregor in the eight? position easily switched out any game we talked about how well um o'reilly played in the six and how he was very much a different option um are you surprised maybe there's not been a kind of even a, an experiment of that in some of the games well just before alan comes in ken if you remember my extensive knowledge of athletic articles where <laughs> oh god here we fucking go <laughs> matt o'reilly himself not what he wants to be i'll leave it there he's got a wee clip of that article ah, up his wall yeah, 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 yeah. framed yeah. um no, I, I think I, I think you you stick with McGregor um, in the six. I, I did like O'Reilly in the in there. Um, I he's surprised he he's well. not tried it like in throughout the. Even I don't think he sees his long term future there. To be honest, I, I think he would rather if he's changing McGregor out. He wants to bring in somewhere who's someone who's more physical, more aggressive, and can still do the technical side of the game. And that's probably not O'Reilly. Um, so I think you then move on and, and try and play him in his natural position. So. Um, I wouldn't hesitate to do it, especially in domestic games. But I think if you are trying to talk about, go back to the discussion a little bit, this team being as best as they possibly can, it probably means fresh blood to, you know, compete with McGregor in the six. And I think if Iwata is as good as we hope or we want him to be, it will very much be competition in there. And then you can have the discussion, do you push McGregor forward? How do you fit him in? Good good discussions to have because he always plays at the moment and I don't think that will change, but it might just be somewhere different and, you know, other guys might struggle for game time. Yeah, yourself, uh, would it be Moy or would it be O'Reilly on Saturday? I I wouldn't be bothered either way, although I I do think that Moy's still in possession of the jersey. His 
performances recently and the against Hibs and against yeah, Rangers. The, 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 the momentum from the World Cup as well. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who's um, in a good vein of form just now. And um, yeah, I, 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 if you ask me who I would pick, I would pick Moy. But if O'Reilly started, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be gutted about that because. He's a fantastic player and he's going to come good again very soon. Uh, Alan up front, who are you looking for? I won't name any of the players. <laughs> um, I would probably go the same as last weekend. Um, I think Maeda's in that um, undroppable phase at the moment um, with his form. Kyogo is very much bang on form um, and we all want Jota to get back to that form because if they all play at their best, then it's a frightening front three. So, And you're going to need players that are capable of unlocking um, yeah. Potentially, a kind of team that sits in deep, and I think the balance of Jot and Maida because they're very, very different in how they approach the game. Um, a lot of Maida's work is done off the ball, and I don't mean defensively. I mean in terms of running in behind, taking players away. Whereas Jot is much more with traditional with the ball at his feet. So it's a good blend. It's a good balance. Um, I I hope that's what we see in. Uh, Saturday at half five at Hampton because I think if they all play at their best then we might actually a, a game might break out and we might enjoy it <laughs> uh, Yourself would it be the same Saturday? Yeah I, I would I mean uh, the, the performance on Saturday you, you know in the first half it was just it was a bit disjointed it wasn't very good that though I think is affected by the opposition and the way that they set up but I think we've seen in the second half enough quality there um, that yeah, there's no clearing, there's no performances on Saturday that you would say you need to be brought out. And as Alan says, that front three, if it starts to click, especially Hugo and Maeda just now are in real top form, and we know that Jota can get back there. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't change too much from Saturday. Is there anything to say that McInnes will do anything different from Saturday? Or do you think it will just be turgid, anti-football, let's stop them at all costs? I think that's what he'll do, and look, not to put up any sort of staunch defence of Derek McInnes, but the game plan for him will be be in the game the last 10-15 minutes. Um, he's done it before. He came as close as you can in the 2018 final, and it didn't work for him, but he won't come out and attack Celtic and try and take us on our own game. I think very few teams will come on that are not one of them. So, as I say, unless he's been visited in the night, then nah, man for man, sit deep, try and stay in the game, and then hope that um, the returning striker gives him something. Uh, we had a review podcast. Um, yeah, I know, we never even mentioned that. Yeah, their, their game plan, I reckon, will be start him and hang long balls up on Bernabe's side Absolutely. to him. That will be the game plan and you know, hopefully it won't work. So I think it will be a big, big game for Carl Starfelt because he's going to have to try and help Bernabe a lot there and no need to get that communication sorted. Uh, and we got, again, don't want to dwell on this because I don't really want to speak about him, but the sort of quippy... Um, he wants to play again, and he's been taking me, you know, breakfast and in, into my office and all that stuff. And like the genuinely thought you were going to say breakfast in bed. I'll never unsee that fucking image. But I just mean like the kind of the the, the the guy get banned for ten games for you know sectarianism and the kind of fun rehabilitation of him coming back. It, Was that the video? Yeah. The, uh, the nightclub yeah. thing. Uh, it just, just, I, it just does not sit well at all, and I think it's, yeah. Anything want to say on it, Chris? No, because we all know, we all no, know, we, we do, we do, and it's, it's, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'd completely forgot about that yeah, soap opera angle to it. Um, I, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's deplorable. Not, it's not good. 
Right, that's well, we can move on from it. I don't want to waste any energy talking about it. Exactly. Um, in regard to Starfield, got a wee uh, question uh, as we're finishing up. Um, let me just see. Uh, this is from uh, Michael. Michael uh, messages in and says, Hi, folks. Hope you're all doing well and looking forward to the weekend. Quick one from me on Starfelt and his ball progression over the last few weeks. He seems to be taking a lot more touches, so when the ball has gone to our left back, they are left with limited options. Just wondering your thoughts on this, and do we need a freshen up? Um, you kind of touched on it there in regards to the communication between uh, Berabai and Starfelt. I mean, it is pretty key to what potentially Kilmarnock's game plan is going to be, isn't it? Yeah, I think they'll leave, particularly Starfelt, they'll try and leave in the ball. Um, I think he probably will have to, in fairness, him and Karavikas will both have to probably have that willingness to step in a little bit with the ball. I'm not saying go too far beyond, but step in at least and maybe try and play a bounce pass into Kyogo or try and get into one of the number eight's feet from a kind of flatter angle. Um, they weren't willing to do that. And I think there's probably a good reason for that. They probably don't want to give up the ball and be caught wrong side of it. Because that's when teams like this will feed off of. They'll then use that as to try and get territory. It's pretty much rugby at that point. So yeah. I think you need to be careful of that. Um, I, I think there is a there's an onus on Callum McGregor. I think to work really hard then to get into the positions to make the pass easier. I think the reason Starfelt was taking more touches against Kowalik is because McGregor was being marked out of the game. You do then need to work really hard to try and take that player away or get yourself free. So it's not just about them. Um, they're good enough to move the ball comfortably against teams like Commander. We don't have the same problem that we do in Europe with, you know, moving the ball quickly because the margins aren't that high. So I think it's about not just looking at the two centre halves and saying they need to be quicker with the ball. I think everybody's got a role to play in it. So no, um, I wouldn't say I have any concerns about that or the build-up play. I think that's I've, that's a problem that's really specific to European games and Rangers games. To be honest, it's not a problem you see I think in other games for us. So. Yeah, I, th- I don't have any particular concerns. When Starfelt does have maybe a drop in confidence, I think you do notice it. He does wear it in his sleeve maybe a wee bit more than, you know, other players. Um, but he's shown before that he can make mistakes and then get over it and go on a, a very, very long run of being entirely flawless, particularly domestically. So I don't, I don't have any particular reason to be concerned about the two. Well, certainly not Starfelt. Uh, Chris, in regards to the game on Saturday, got any predictions for us? Doesn't this have to be the scoreline, just a prediction in general? Um, I think the conditions also. I haven't checked the weather forecast. It's Chris. supposed to be raining, eighty percent. Safe bet, oh, rain. <laughs> Slick surface, wider pitch, spotlights, spotlights, floodlights. <laughs> Alan, full of the sauce. <laughs> Four nil. Oh, beautiful, Alan. Your prediction. I'm going to say the exact same thing, and I'm going to go with the exact same result. Lovely stuff. Uh, I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, should be fantastic we will have a reaction straight afterwards if you are a subscriber if you want to find out about subscribing you can go to the cynic.co and you'll get all the details there uh, daily podcasts uh, all about celtic uh, should be awesome get involved um we're going to finish up with the lineup quiz you know how much you Tense. like a lineup quiz Play the mastermind tune. um so the lineup quiz um essentially will go between each panel member they have to name a player from the lineup. Two lives each. The game we're going to go for, it's a semi-final. It's a semi-final of a League Cup. Kieran Tierney. <laughs> Fuck up. Right, okay. You've not started yet. Um, Cheers. Hibernian 2, Celtic 5. 
from the 2019, one of the best games of football I, I've been, I absolutely adored this game, it was fantastic, um, it was on the 2nd of November 2019, so 2019-20 season, let's go, um, we'll give you, you've got two lives each, Alan Edgar, Scott Brown, Scott Brown, correct, Moy Ilyanusi, Moy Ilyanusi, correct, Alan, Fraser Foster, Fraser Foster, correct. Chris Julian. Chris Julian, correct. We're doing very well. This is the best we've done. Mika Lustig. Mika Lustig is, in fact... Uh, I think Mika Lustig had gone at that point. Eh. Had gone at that point? He left Celtic, yeah. he left Celtic in that summer. Jeremy Frimpong. Jeremy Frimpong, very good, very good, very good. How bad is my memory going to be when I'm like 50, <laughs> if it's this bad at this age? Um, to your time, think about Callum it. Callum McGregor. Callum McGregor, correct. Chris Armani. Still, this is great, they're doing very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an obvious one. Well, just... <laughs> Chris, I'm going to have to pass you for time, unfortunately. Kieran Tierney. I mean, he left in that summer. Yeah, mm, uh, one life each. Ryan Christie. Ryan Christie is. Let me just check for you. Ryan Christie was on the bench, so that is correct. Yep, correct. What? Just say correct. In the squad, yes, squad. We've done this a number of times. Sorry for that, yeah, but just correct. It's fine next time. Okay, Chris. Why can't? Why is my mind going totally blank? That's I'm in it, mate. I'm in your mind. You're in my mind. <sighs> mind games the think about think about the team at that time 1920 uh-huh. <laughs> you can't think of a player I've thought of quite a lot <clears throat> look at him he's buzzing he's, low, he he's absolutely buzzing Chris Odson Edward Edson Edward there we go <laughs> beautiful do you know he's turned the tables against me instead <laughs> now <laughs> see that confidence that I've had it's completely crashed crashed um, Lee Griffiths Lee Griffiths uh, Lee Griffiths is and unfortunately Alan was not even in the squad fucker just does me over every so I need you to name any other player why I've won well back and forth we'll we'll name one more player because I went first so yeah you know it's like penalties right okay well I don't uh, honestly your mind just goes totally yeah no I know mate uh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Scott Bain <laughs> Scott Bain is incorrect so, so do you know what we'll give you whoever gets the next one right no can. I win <laughs> no I did he's no bothered and I am um, right name the rest Fraser Foster Ayer. Go- Christopher Ayer Christopher, Christopher Ayer. Ayer Fraser Foster and goals Frimpong Julian Ayer Ball and Golly Scott Brown uh, Cal McGregor James Forrest Forrest Tom Rogic uh, Moy Ilyanusi, mm-hmm. um, Odson Edward on the bench, Craig Gordon, Near Bitton, Johnny Hayes, Ryan Christie, Mikey Johnson, and Cham and El Hamed. Honestly, see, like saying Cham, see, half of I those know, players, I know, I know. and also, you know them are there, but they just didn't enter your head because they're gone. See, when I'm in my mid 60s, genuinely, I think I'm going to be telling like, young folk, I uh, see the way Kieran Tierney delivered the balls into Henrik Larson, it was just. <laughs> The stadium just went nuts, and then of course Jock Steen was in the sidelines, and he was just telling them, "Just keep firing them in, son." That's right. what it's going to be like. Yeah. The, the, th- the thing is, though, there is a little bit that of pre- the, the wee bit of pressure as well. It, it gets, it gets you. I think it's more just my memory. To be honest, I was once the standing, ready to roll 
on quiz show Eggheads. Oh. Can you imagine how much I would have panicked under those lights <laughs> on TV? I would have just collapsed. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> this has been... Say your name. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Keith Griffiths. Griffiths. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been a, a, a fantastic recording. Um, we've got the, as we say, we've got the, the League Cup semi on Saturday. Then we play St Mirren on Sunday. Sorry, Sunday. We play... Um, St Mirren on the Wednesday and then we'll be back next Thursday to kind of look over both games um, but if you are subscribing to the cynic.co we've got um, podcasts tomorrow uh, every day um, so we've got the weekend update tomorrow we've got the reaction on Saturday and uh, on Sunday we've got a podcast called Faithful Through and Through and then we're back to the agenda and we're back rocking and rolling so check it out the cynic.co Christopher Saman it's been a pleasure so thanks enjoyed it Lovely stuff. Uh, Alan Edgar, pleasure as always, friend. Thank you. Lovely stuff. Uh, from Alan, from Chris Romani, from myself, uh, this has been the Cynic Weekly, and we'll speak to you down the road. <laughs>